everybody. Welcome back to As It Goes, part two of our conversation on being a human in process. If you haven't listened to part one, go ahead and check that out before or after you listen to this installment. Thank you for joining. Thank you for giving yourself this time and space and nourishment. Let's dive right back into our conversation and looking at our experiences as teachers. I can think of an experience from a couple of years ago where I thought I was in one place with my process and my journey further along, so to speak, than, you know, I was. And this experience just came and like shook me up, right? Made me realize all these things acted as a mirror. I'm sure as you listen to this, you can recognize bits and pieces in your own experiences, in your own behaviors, because we share these tendencies on some level, right? This is what it is to be human in one capacity, right? It was, you know, a very karmic, very long time coming, very important for me to face and work through experience that came along and I immediately went into all of those old behaviors and ways of being that weren't aligned or serving me and that which I was still unconscious to and unaware of. I was buying into the stories that I was telling myself about what was happening without even recognizing them as stories because they were so strong and so rooted in my experience and I was so caught up in them and what I wanted the experience to be versus allowing it to be what it was and being able to both see that clearly And enjoy it for what it is, what it was, right? Because when we can't enjoy something fully for what it is, and when we're so caught up in what we wish or what we want it to be, then it's just passing us by. And that's just a truism in life, in our process itself. And we do this all the time. Humans are storytellers. There's reality, and on top of that, we project our story that we are telling ourselves about what is actually happening past, present, and future. The thing is, when we catch ourselves doing this, we can compassionately and gently drop them and feel into and relax into the truth of the present moment. If we're in relationship, we can communicate to the other person. We can say, the story I'm telling myself about this is blank. Help me to understand. I ignored my intuition about the person. I played a role and shrank myself rather than feeling safe and fully showing up to be my full authentic self, to communicate fully. I thought I could control the outcome to get what I wanted, to get what I thought I wanted, rather than just trusting that the universe is giving me what I need and accept that at face value and trust it and not try to control it. And I clung to this person and experience because it made me quote-unquote happy it fed that like happiness addiction that we all have the short term right the accepting of what is versus saying in perhaps this sense of the test I know this isn't aligned so I'm going to humbly bow to you and walk away and wish you the best on your journey right so when it went away as is the truth 
of impermanence, right? Nothing is permanent. I suffered because of my clinging. And I suffered in all those ways I just listed as a result of my own actions, not even their actions, right? That was all my own contribution to my suffering. Afterwards, first I ran away from it and ignored that it happened and tried to bypass the pain that it brought up, especially the unhealed wounds that were there and tied to my past experience with this person. Then I turned it against myself and blamed myself and beat myself up for forgetting my practices, for not showing up fully, even though I understood that was an attempt at protecting myself. But ultimately, my truth is that I don't want to protect myself. I want my heart to be open and to fully experience. I questioned the validity of my own experience in that moment, and I doubted and questioned if it was my fault, which is so... (laughs) unhelpful and so untrue. Then I thought I needed the other person in order to quote-unquote make it better. But again, the truth is no one can give us the medicine, so to speak, that we need but ourselves. We return to the pain, the source of the pain, thinking that what caused it will fix it and only that what caused it can fix it. But that's not the case. And then I blocked them out. I was angry. I was pissed. I was hurt. I was rejected. I wanted to make them feel how I felt, right? But finally and ultimately, I stopped blaming the other person and was able to bring understanding and compassion to their actions while also allowing the fact that I still didn't need to invite them in for that to happen. I sat with my feelings and discomfort and I took care of my needs because it's not the other person's responsibility. It's my own responsibility to meet my own needs and take care of my own needs and my own wounds. They're their own person. They have their own thing going on, their own perspectives and experiences and wounds. And I'm not going to, nor am I interested in changing them. I had to accept that what I was frustrated with in them and angry with and upset about and judging in them was truly all just a mirror of what I was frustrated, angry, upset, and judging within myself, which surfaced as a result of this reconnecting (laughs) that I thought I'd left behind because I had quote-unquote evolved, right? And that's the trap. We trick ourselves into this all the time. And a side note to clarify, none of this excuses the other person's behavior or makes it okay It's merely a matter of understanding our own, my own contributions to my suffering and that the only thing we can control is ourselves and we have a choice to become conscious about how we contribute to our suffering and how we cause ourselves to suffer and how we can get ourselves out of it and give ourselves some relief. Because the first part has nothing to do with another person. I accepted what I experienced is mine and what I do with that, which is all just information and feedback, nothing to judge, nothing to beat ourselves up over, is my responsibility and my choice of how it impacts me moving forward. So through that, I was able to then lean into the teachings and the practices to find clarity. And after reflection upon reflection since, I was able to open my heart even more, which a part of its closing had been karmically tied to the history and 
past that was there with this person in my experience. And I'm not saying go dig up these people from your past. I felt called to reconnect with this person and to bring them into my experience. And I still to this day believe that it was meant to be. I believe that I felt called to this experience to initiate it for this purpose. Why not see it that way, right? I followed it. It was messy and repetitive of old patterns, but it woke me the fuck up in ways I couldn't have imagined I needed and was a catalyst for returning to my truth. And I contribute it as a part of the fact that I am living my authentic truth today and doing what I'm doing, embodying my purpose. It was such a wake-up call. And ultimately, I'm grateful, right? So grateful for that experience. And again, it has nothing to do with the other person, right? Except for the fact that they were a mirror to me, as is with every person we've crossed paths with, especially the people that we have problems with. This experience and my deep reflection and unpacking of my piece of it highlighted so many blind spots. And we all come to the table with our own stuff and our own blind spots. And our experiences help us to know where those are. And that is such a gift. Otherwise, we continue through the world with our blind spots crashing into things, right? When we see the blind spots as that and do the work, let it be what it is versus what we want, it often turns out way better than we think it should be in our highest good. Or it'll turn out to be unaligned and simply melt away on its own because we're seeing clearly and not clinging. So we can bow in gratitude and walk away. This is an example of one of those we could label it as quote-unquote larger experiences, but like I said, every day this happens. Every day our buttons are pushed, we hit our wall, (laughs) we meet the people that reflect to us those blind spots and that which we don't want to see in ourselves, and we can either run, react, and act out, choose to continue to feed the old way of being or we can practice and choose to feed being and living consciously and authentically. The path of practice starts with a pause and then working to see clearly and understand what it is that's coming up, bringing compassion to it. And through that work, Like in this example, we ultimately respond differently and show up differently to the benefit of all involved moving forward. Any experience that came up after this experience for me was different and I was conscious and present and was able to see what was happening, recognize what was coming up for me and just see it as what it was and not get attached to it, not have to judge it, and just respond from that place of empowered clarity and truth and authenticity, which again, ultimately serves everybody involved. At the end of the day, there's a deep recognition in the psyche of the other that these wounds, this potential is shared and also reflected in the other? Should we make the choice to honor our own deep knowing call and purpose? But we can only decide that for ourselves. We can't decide that for someone else or use someone else to reach that. It is a self-journey of discovery and becoming. 
It gets so lost in our modern times, in the rushing around of everything, in the chasing of external things. We are here for this journey of discovery, of knowing ourselves, truly knowing and experiencing each other and the world around us deeply, compassionately, in love. Look at any ancient philosophy, indigenous wisdom, that has been erased and disregarded as being you know, frivolous or outdated or no longer applying. But all of these philosophies and beliefs are telling us that this is the purpose of our existence, to discover our true self, our interconnection, ourselves as being a manifestation of creation itself, which again, quantum physics is beginning to show us, and simply to be on this earth and appreciate every single miracle that happens every moment. The fact that we exist, the fact that trees exist, and this whole system that allows us to be and live and do and explore and create is incredible. Think about that, right? Think about the fact that the sun is just the perfect amount of distance to give life to us, that the atmosphere formed in, in, in the ability for us to exist, that all of these things that we don't even think about, that we barely understand are happening so we can have this experience. And when we can slow down enough to actually physically feel that sensation and knowing which is already ready to be felt within us if we just slow down enough right practices like meditation help us get to that place we feel this truth And knowing that this world in process, humanity in process, creation itself in process is us. And we are directly a part of it, directly impacting it. And we are all one. You know, embody that and be empowered by that knowing and live that truth through that process, right? Through that process, elevating our consciousness to higher levels of understanding and compassion and being in the direction of the good of being, right? And We can forget how important this is in our lives. But as I was just having a conversation with someone last night about this, Carl Jung brings back the importance of the psyche and the soul into psychology and into our conceptions of what it means to live a purposeful life and the role and importance of nourishing our soul, nourishing our authenticity, living our purpose in our well-being as being a part of and connected to our collective unconscious, our collective oneness, a manifestation and expression of that through our unique point of view. We knew this in ancient times, right? It's in our DNA, We know we need more. We know we need fulfillment and purpose. And yet maybe we don't have a language for that in our lives. But as we yearn for more, for freedom, for meaning, it's a process of deciding to value that and to go on that journey. And as we uncover these unconscious shadows and as we uncover our unconscious you know purpose our gifts 
and choose to embody them, that is the continual choice that and for so many of us might feel contradictory to what we're told we should chase and value in this lifetime. That is the work of the individual in restoring balance to our world. As we said, everything each one of us does impacts the whole grand scheme of things. Nothing is in isolation. Just as we talked about, peace begins within. This process of restoring our world to a place of justice and equality where everyone can live their purpose and contribute their gifts and create a flourishing, balanced, peaceful, harmonious world, which is possible, which is not fantasy or utopia. It begins with each one of us living this truth, having the courage to do so, to be in process and be vulnerable in process and courageous in our process. Because every human has a right to this, a birthright to this process, to their unlimited potential, to living their authenticity. And it is each of our jobs to do that so that we can contribute to a world that allows that for everyone. Because that's the world we all want to inhabit. That's the world that is beautiful and diverse and flourishing. Nature flourishes best in its diversity. So it truly starts with each one of us. We all have the free will of whether or not we honor this. We can't free someone who doesn't want to be free, who doesn't even know they are not free. We can free no one but ourselves. And the funny thing is, in freeing ourselves, we not only invite others who experience our being to do the same in their own journey, but also it ripples out into the universe. It all starts with recognizing on a level that We are not yet free until we awaken to living consciously and authentically and do the work to uncover and live our truth and purpose. Seeing all those that we cross paths with as not only a mirror, but interconnected with us, a part of ourselves, our extension of ourselves, a finger next to us on the body of life itself, capital L, life, creation, right? Seeing through the illusion of separateness in reverence for their own journey and also every experience we have as an opportunity to awaken, to discover and become more of our truth and live in that purpose and meaning. Enjoying the ups, downs, and in-betweens of being human, of having this experience, of sharing this experience with every other human, whether we like them or not, seeing past that, seeing through to our connectedness with each other, with nature, with all beings and creatures, as all being a part on this living organism of life itself. And grounding in and being able to enjoy and see in each moment that we are a human in process, simultaneously part of the evolution of our shared world, earth, in process of evolving, humanity in process, and creation itself in process. And being able to enjoy each moment of that process. That's the gift of life experience. That's the gift of these tests. They help us see clearly where we are and give us an opportunity, again, whether it's in the moment or whether it's not, whether it's years after, to choose a different way of being, to choose 
to be conscious and present and aware and compassionate and, you know, la la la, fill in the blanks. And ultimately, through, you know, that test, that experience, you know, I could look at that and say, oh, God, I failed that test. But there's no failure in process. It's only learning. It's only feedback. It's only information. And it's all helpful through that experience, through all highlighted, through my reflection and compassion, integration, learning. It changed. And I'm sure if you think about it, you have those experiences too. It's important to note that, you know, although I speak about this like an open and shut case, it's obviously not. None of, none of our experiences really are. I still revisit and reflect on this experience specifically as it surfaces and when it surfaces because we can always learn more as we continue our process and have new eyes with which to see and reflect on. And we learn new things through that. And again, <laughs> I don't have all the answers and I don't need to. None of us need to. I know I don't have most of them. And still, as is the case with all of us, I reached a breakthrough point in my process because of what I know and learned and am learning and practicing when it comes to learning the lessons from this experience and integrating those to evolve my everyday experience. So it's still all fluid and non-linear. Who's to say what more insights I might gain around this experience moving forward? And this is always the case for all of us when we are living consciously, practicing for our well-being and our evolution and open to this fact open to the process being non-linear and non-exclusive looking at things through a lens of non-discrimination i was talking to a friend today they said i wish i could learn from other people's experiences and not have to experience it myself and i think that this is such a true shared desire that we all have on one level or another, right? That would be super easy, right? If we could just learn from others' experiences the way that we learn from our own. But ultimately, it's because we experience certain things, pleasant and unpleasant, that we learn that we are able to go through the individual process of becoming, of expressing our authenticity, of living consciously, of learning those lessons. It's the combination of all of these formations and results from experiences emotions, insights, ideas, sensations that learning and insight arises. Each one of us has overcome difficulties we might wish we never had to experience. I can think of mine and I'm sure that you can think of yours. But it's because of these experiences that we are who we are. And we are as strong as we are. So when we see all experiences through a lens of non-discrimination and non-judgment, and what I mean by that is refraining from labeling them as good and bad, we can learn from them 
and humbly bow to them and ourselves in gratitude and appreciation. Because it's all material for waking up, for living consciously, for our well-being, for our compassionate living, for contributing to the good of being and the betterment of the world. And that's not to bypass the pain and hurt and harm that many of us have experienced in our lives through big T traumas and little T traumas. But ultimately, through our journey of healing and coming out the other side of these experiences, we alchemize them from a wound to wisdom. And that and all of our experiences fuel our process, are part of our process, allowing our natural intelligence to grow us into what we are meant to be. If you accessed the spaciousness issue of Recalibrate, which, which is linked in the show notes, we talked about this idea of natural intelligence that is present in all things. For example, an acorn knows within itself through what we can call natural intelligence how to grow itself into a tree given the right conditions. Just like that, we have within us, as part of nature, this natural intelligence that knows how to grow itself into our most authentic form, if that's what we want to call it, right? Given the right conditions. We can use our experiences, pleasant and unpleasant, right? to create those conditions. Because ultimately, that is what empowers us to not be victims of circumstance, but to be grounded in the truth that the only thing we can control is ourselves. We can't control every external circumstance, no matter how hard we try. Part of this means that sometimes we resist and ignore our inner wisdom, our inner knowing that pings us and gives us signs for what conditions we might need for this natural intelligence to manifest us in our totality. Other times we witness the profound fulfillment and reward of following those inner guidance signals. The choice is ours when we have the tools and resources to do so, which is why with Reself, this wisdom is, again, this knowing, these tools, these resources, is our birthright. It is not exclusive to those who can afford to access it or have access to it. It is for no one to hide from us or exclude us from. That is why with Reself, we are so understanding and compassionate of making sure that if there is any limit to be able to access Reself, that we move through that and get anyone who desires to access this wisdom the ability to access it. Once we know, once we have these tools and access, there's no more excuse, right? You can't unknow what you know. You can't unsee what you've seen. 
So like at Reself, what we say, it's what you do with what you know that matters. We can't return to ignorance. We can't return to unknowing. So the choice is ours if we choose to act in alignment with our inner knowing, our learned knowing, or we choose to remain in the dark. And I say that so compassionately because I understand so much the courage it takes to do this. It is a courageous act. It is an essential act. Ultimately, all it asks of ourselves is to commit to being in process. That's it. Right? It's like the tattoo sleeve. We can look at it and say, my sleeve isn't complete. I won't be happy until my sleeve is complete. Or we can look at it and say, there is so much joy here for what I have for what already is there, for the scars that are on my arm, for whatever it is, and show up in our messiest, most chaotic and neurotic days, and in our most authentic, embodied, and guided by our inner wisdom days. Even if Awareness and insight arises days, weeks, months, years afterwards. Being grateful for every experience, for what it contributes through our active participation and alchemizing of it for our awakening, for our conscious living as fuel for it. Because with that perspective... That's what allows us to relax into being in process, to being a human in process. It allows us to sit in, ground in, and move into that truth. And through that, compassion and gentleness for ourselves arises spontaneously. And then that arises for others. If I'm a human in process, that means that you are too. And if I can fully see my process in its messiness and its wisdom, then I can honor that in every other person. And I can make space for that in every person. And ultimately, as Ramdas says, we're all just walking each other home. We share, we elevate, we uplift, we understand each other. And instead of sticking our feet out to trip each other, we hold hands in our process. We learn from each other. We share our wisdom. So take it easy on yourself. Be patient in the process. See if after walking away from this conversation and allowing this to sink in, how patient you can be with where you are in your process and with the truth that someday you'll be in a different part of the process. You'll be in a different season in your life, in a different part of the journey. And when we can relax into that, that's also when spaciousness arises. I remember maybe a year ago when I was in a season in my life that was filled with ease and joy and excitement. I remember having this insight where I knew this won't last. And instead of getting sad about it, It just fueled my presence for that season, for those moments, right? And then ultimately, when the difficult season came and that season of ease ended, I, you know, after some resistance, because 
we can always have resistance. It's part of the process. I was able to relax into that, knowing that this season will end and someday I will experience more ease and less difficulty and more joy and peace. And then that came. So leaning into the process, reminding ourselves I am a human in process, creating that space for patience and compassion to arise, practicing non-judgment and non-discrimination, we can honor the fact of impermanence in the process. I remember a time in my life where I was going through a really difficult period in high school and I just thought it would never end. I could not see the light at the end of the tunnel. I could not see possibly healing from my experience. I could I couldn't see it. But ultimately, I came to the end of the tunnel. I saw the light, right? Got out of the darkness and healing came. And I honor the fact that I'm lucky enough to have had access to healing modalities and therapy and everything that contributed to that shifting of the season. And there are so many tools out there for us to take empowered action in whatever season we're in, right? Because whether it's a season of pleasantness or unpleasantness, it's going to change. That's just the truth of life. So, you know, I was just reading something this morning and it was talking about how even after his enlightenment, the Buddha kept practicing sitting meditation, walking meditation every day because he also knew that that was impermanent, that enlightenment could go away. So, you know, it's an equally important thing to remember that when things are good, that doesn't mean that we should drop all of our practices. That's where discipline also comes in. Because discipline is part of the process. Loving discipline, not (laughs) beat myself over the head for not meditating or for meditating quote-unquote badly or for wanting rest. It's being able to give ourselves what we need in the moment and honor that. Because when we take it easy on ourselves, we can take it a a little easier on each other. And that makes the world just a little bit of an easier place to exist in. And I think that that's where that sentiment of walking each other home really rings true. When we can acknowledge that everyone's got their own shit, right? (laughs) Everyone's got their own stuff they have to unlearn. Everyone's got their difficult experiences. Um, And by holding space for each other and honoring that and creating space in which, again, we can share with each other and we can help each other, we can walk each other home to remembering our innate completeness our inner wisdom. And that's part of the beauty of being a human. And when we get caught up, which we all do, we can make a little game out of it. And I credit Pema Chodron for this notion You can explore more of it in her book, Start Where You Are. I really appreciate what she says about making a game, having fun with seeing how much 
we can catch ourselves when we're going to spiral or react out of our habitual patterns that are no longer serving us and just kind of say to ourselves, I see you, you're sneaky, you almost got me. And then choose to be able to respond more consciously, more authentically. Have fun seeing how much we've truly learned and where we still have space to learn to seeing clearly where we are in the process and not making a judgment about it, but just saying, this is where I am and I'm okay with that. There is empowerment in that. If a few years ago, someone would have told me to make a game out of it, the serious part of myself would have said, there's no game about this. This is serious stuff, man. This is really hard. So it's not to say that it's not hard and it's not painful and it's not unpleasant. Ultimately, it comes back to the sleeve, right? In choosing how we want to see being in process. Because we don't have to have it all figured out. We will never, in fact, have it all figured out. Again, in Start Where You Are, Pema shares the Lojong slogans, one of which is, abandon any hope of fruition. So essentially, give up hope. And at first, when I read this and sat with this teaching, I was like, give up hope. Give up hope of anything changing. I can't give up that hope. The truth that lies in that, and I'm not saying that we should give up hope of a better future. That's not what I'm saying. What this is saying is that as long as we have these goal-oriented ideas of fruition, of something happening, then we're stuck focused on the future and not living in the present, in our truth, relaxing into being in process, right? We're always hoping to be done with the process, to be complete with the process, but the process doesn't end. We don't have to have it all figured out. We can instead relax into the joy of discovery, which is what life is. I like that she says that if there's some sense of wanting to change yourself, then it comes from a place of feeling that you're not good enough. In that sense, we will continue to approach our problems with the same logic that got us into and created the problem to begin with, which is, again, we're not good enough. I'm not good enough. So instead, we can relax into our inner wisdom, the intelligence each one of us has within us. It's about accepting, again, the pleasantness and unpleasantness, that we don't have to wait for pleasantness to befriend ourselves, to be compassionate with ourselves, to enjoy the present moment, to be present, rather, simply. We can just be with wherever we are in process and accept that we will always be in process. And if we can be present to the truth of wherever we are, then we will feel more space and more peace, even in turmoil. I think it's important to note that something she says in this section is that the root of healing, the root of feeling like a fully adult person, a fully developed person, which, you know, which is different than the societal context of being developed, quote unquote, at age 18, you're an adult. We're talking about the complete development of of a human being that is unacknowledged and undiscussed and untaught in uh, conventional Western societies. 
Anyway, she says that that at this root is the premise that you're not going to try to make anything go away, that what you have is worth appreciating. And that's what we were talking about with our experiences, being able to at some point, especially with the difficult ones after healing, be able to bow to them in appreciation for all they taught us, all they grew in us. Because ultimately, it's our humanness, it's our being that is the grounds for awakening, which simply means living consciously. And that is always a process, in process. And we can relax into it and enjoy where we are and enjoy our imperfections, enjoy our humanness. Enjoy our wisdom and honor our wisdom and honor each other's wisdom and imperfections and humanness. And so enjoy. Thank you for hanging out with me. Thank you for holding space for this conversation and joining me. Joining me where I am in my process and reaching you where you are in your process. If you like these conversations, consider supporting the podcast. The link is in the description. Make sure that if you're not already, sign up for the Reself newsletter. Our next issue of Recalibrate is due out soon. It's related to this topic of conversation. So if you're excited about that, I will include the link for you to get on that notification list. I hope that you have a beautiful week. And we'll talk soon. Bye, everybody.